2: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the 90 Day Fiancé Up podcast where every week I come to you and I unfold the nonsense that goes on on 90 Day Fiancé. We're currently on season nine of the original 90 Day episode 11 this week. I am, of course, your host and conductor of the Hot Mess Express, please, Andy Keeley, ready to break it all down for you. Now, before I introduce my amazing guest, I did mention last week that I was going to talk about Love in Paradise which is exclusive on Discovery Plus. I have not gotten a chance to watch yet or catch up. Next week will be the week. You can hold me to that. If you if I don't do it, at me on Twitter. I will take it. I promise you, it'll come through next week. But for now, we have a lot to talk about. All seven couples made an appearance on this episode, so let's get into it. My guest this week needs no introduction. She is all places at once. She is incredible. Of course, she is the uh co-host of the mess magnets rahap up she is also the host of the uh dummies uh, hot dummies on islands feed over on rhap Rahapups ups network as well it is the one it is the only give it up for Kirsten McKinnis here today. Kirsten how you doing
1: I'm doing great play thing I love how you like. she needs no introduction and then like, gave me like the nicest introduction of all time. It's so nice.
2: Listen, I you don't need the introduction. It's true. They could have figured it out without me saying anything. But then you have all these accolades that deserve to be mentioned, you know? So I'm going to make give you justice.
1: Aw, thank you. Of course, That's no sweet. problem. I'm so excited to be back. I was on, obviously, like about five or six weeks ago. And I binged the whole season to catch up. And then I have been watching weekly since. I am obsessed with the season. And I literally was like, begging you in front of our friends like can I come back when can I come back and thankfully you're kind and we're like when works like let's schedule it
2: hey I love how enthusiastic you are about 90 day you are I believe now the second guest to make a second appearance this season with Chappelle being the only person that beat you to it and I love hearing your thoughts about the show I I can tell how invested you are I can tell how interested you are so I'm keen to find out now Uh, Let me see. How many weeks has it been? I believe you were here week five. I was on week
1: five.
2: So that was half a season ago. We've come a long way since. Some of these couples are on 34 days away from marriage. Some are still in the middle and haven't really moved. We're going to talk about all of them, Kirsten, and I can't
1: wait. I'm so excited! I like I've been texting you my thoughts as I've been watching the episodes like this whole time, and I feel like you're like, oh, sorry, I haven't I haven't watched yet. Like I don't know what you're talking about when I like all caps. I'm like, with what money, Emily? With what money?
2: Yeah, there's been weeks where I'm like, oh, Kirsten beat me to it. (laughs) I gotta watch. I gotta watch. Yeah. Well, it's I love that you. That's the one. That's the example you bring up because that is exactly where we're going to start our journey today. That's with Emily and Kobe. Like I mentioned, some of these couples are a lot further along than others on the timeline. Emily and Kobe are 34 days away from having to be married. So they're 34 days left in the 90 day process. They are in the middle of mattress shopping because we've learned this during the season where Kobe could not sleep with Emily and Kobe because the bed was not big enough. So he had a separate room that he was sleeping in. Finally, after, after two months, two Six months days. went by how yeah two months and it's like okay let's um let's go look at mattresses and Emily's in the shop talking about you know we don't have extra money for a mattress so maybe we should look for something we can afford as opposed to something that might be a bigger fit and all I'm thinking is didn't you buy a whole ring for yourself that you could have just spent on the mattress budget wasn't Literally. that a thing
1: she's sitting there actually like oh well you know maybe we'll just buy a nicer bed that's like not bigger uh ma'am What is wrong with you?
2: The whole point of this exercise is so that all three of you can fit in one bed. That is the exercise. And then they're looking around at mattresses and they find one that vibrates and they're very into it. And all I can think of is, isn't that the more expensive item? If it vibrates, I feel like it's not going to be the cheaper option anyway
1: well and especially when they're looking at king size beds right that's like the most expensive option and while they're looking at mattresses like it seems like Kobe and Emily have worked out a lot of their issues they felt like especially in the early parts of this episode they seem very loved up everything is good like Kobe is like humping her on the beds when they're shopping for mattresses and like she's like no 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 we can't we can't but then the minute the bed is vibrating she's like oh wow yeah like let's get it on like I, I just want to bang now
2: hey sometimes beds can have that kind of impact on you and apparently it worked for them at the store I did feel bad for the one um a person at the store who was like, I'm guessing was, would have had to ring them up, having to look from afar and see the shenanigans. And like, I'm not going to look at them. I'm going to look the other way.
1: And so, Puya, have you ever gone like mattress shopping at a mattress store before?
2: I have been mattress shopping exclusively at IKEA.
1: Okay. So when you go to like a more like upscale like mattress shop, those salespeople are like, on you like they're some of the pushiest salespeople, and like i went recently with my boyfriend he had to buy a, a bed and it was like okay try these three for firmness and then once we determine what level of firmness you like then we'll go to these ones and they really direct you most of the time and so the fact that the mattress salesperson is nowhere to be seen while they're trying out beds indicates to me that uh they We're like, oh, wow, it's that inappropriate that they're still not going to be there.
2: Yeah, having gone to like a, you know, when we were couch shopping, we went to a bunch of furniture stores. I definitely got that vibe of I'm trying out some couches. I'm sitting down and they like, do you like this one? This is this model and has this fabric. I'm like, let Mm -hmm. me just vibe. Let me just sit here and pretend I'm at home in silence and see how I feel about it. You hovering over me makes me not want to get it. So yeah. it's not working on me. Stop. Especially
1: it. when every couch is freaking $4,000 these days.
2: Yeah. I have to mentally be okay with the price tag too. So you saying this is this sectional. Yeah. We have two colors. It's available in an eight weeks and it costs three grand. Okay. Then maybe I'm not going to take it. So I'm even not going to um, feel comfortable sitting on this.
1: Maybe one. Maybe I'll sit on the floor.
2: Yeah. Maybe floor is fine. Maybe I'll get a nice like $40 rug and just sit on that. That'll be that'll be my vibe. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. So they look at beds. They they, you know, finally, I think they ended up picking one. I think they bought one. Yeah. And then we get a flash forward six hours later, Kobe, Emily's sister, and Emily's dad are going ring shopping. And like you said, it looks like they've worked out a lot of their issues because Kobe is very enthusiastic, very high energy, very positive. And he tells us that, you know, he wants to do something nice for Emily. And this is something Emily really wants. And this is something he wants to provide to Emily. So he's gone ring, a diamond ring shopping with, with, his, with her dad. And the dad is telling us that he thinks it's stupid for Kobe to buy a diamond ring. But he feels sorry for Kobe because Emily wants it her way. Again, dad... Why did you have that talk with Kobe when you should have had that talk with Emily a couple of weeks
1: right? ago? Right. Well, and that's the thing too is it seems like since that conversation, Kobe has a much better view of how money works in the U.S., and so he understands that you know the money that he brought won't get them as far as he had initially thought. And it seems like he's like, really, okay, well, we're going to tighten things up. We're going to be more conscious because obviously we need um, to make our money stretch further. Uh, whereas Emily has no such uh issues or compunctions. And Kobe's like, well, I have four thousand dollars and I I can spend a thousand of it on this ring, even though I think that is too much. It will if it will make Emily happily, happy, I want to make her happy.
2: And I appreciate him so much for this. Like to sacrifice 25% of your budget. Remember, Guillermo couldn't get a laptop because it was a sixth of their budget. Yeah. Kobe is swallowing everything to make sure Emily gets the ring that she demands and he's going to provide that. So they're looking around at the rings. The first one they are, they see costs $7,000.
1: Oh my God. The cost of rings is so ridiculous. I feel like, and I obviously like I'm a woman. I don't know like how much pressure men are feeling about rings, but it's like, oh, it should be three months of their salary. It should be so and I just think it is so ridiculous. Even like a, like seven thousand dollars feels like so much to spend on a ring.
2: It's a lot, it's not pocket change. This is this is like like Kobe said, this is life-changing money back home. You could buy land back home with this money. You could get set up, set someone up for life with this money potentially. And we're out here putting it on the finger. Now I'll be very open with, with myself and Liana. Um, We ended up buying, I ended up buying Liana a ring primarily because it was like our relationship was very much real, is very much real and very much authentic. But when it comes to applying for the visa process, there are things you can do and provide documentation of that can further prove the entanglement of the two people, mm-hmm. but financially, right? So if you like have a ve- wedding venue booked, that is proof that this is happening and like you put money down. So a ring was one of them. Um I spent about a little less than $500 Canadian on a ring for Liana. I did engage with Liana with regards to the selection because this is a bigger purchase and I didn't want to just go off heart and pick something and then find out she might not like it. I, I wanted her to be involved with it and I asked yeah. her if she was okay with that. So we looked at some rings. She she was like I like this one. I was like that's actually the one that's on my Google Doc that I've put aside. Perfect. We got it and we're fine with it. Now I know that's not for a lot of people. A lot of people, you know, they might look at it. They they want like you said, 3 months salary, 2 months salary more. With us it was the symbol, the symbolism is more than enough of what it represents. And that was completely fine with both of us. So
1: when I think that's the thing is, as long as both people in their relationship are on the same page, that's what matters the most about it. Right. Like if both people are like, Oh, it should be this expensive. Great. But it's when there's a big discrepancy is when there could be an issue. And I just think it's so wild like they've been engaged you know a couple years or almost two years at, at this point or a little more and Emily's like I need a better ring now 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 and everyone like I know some couples where you know the ring that they got at the engagement is not like their ideal ring for life and they have gotten a replacement ring down the road yeah but most of the time that happens like years and years and years down the road because like you got married when you were young and struggling and then when you get older and you're more like financially secure you can afford to buy that larger ring
2: yeah there's so much there's so many things now that cost so much more and especially when you're starting a new life together a house or a living situation on an apartment Um, sharing income, buying this, that furnishing a house is a lot more expensive. So I feel like there's a lot more costs now of, of living and then cohabitating specifically that I feel like it's more on the back burner and is more of a later priority for, for a lot of couples. But again, this is Emily. We're talking about Emily wants what Emily wants. So now they end up getting this ring that initially costs $1,500. The jeweler was nice enough to offer 30% off so after tax it was about 1150. So he has not taken 1150 out of the 4000. He bought this ring. He tells us, "I love Emily. I'm ready to give her what she needs," which was very sweet. But then I did notice on the way out of the store the dad did put out a big sigh and he said, "Oh man." <laughs>
1: And, like, this goes back to what we talked about last time I was on. Just like Emily's family's involvement in all of this is so much. And I was really curious what your thoughts are on Emily's sister being involved in this ring purchase, being the only one in the room who knows that Emily has already bought herself another ring.
2: Well, I respect her sister so much for being able to be impartial and help out genuinely here. She didn't insert herself into their business by then telling Kobe, hey, by the way, Emily did this other thing. I feel like it would have it was not easy for the sister to be there and knowing what she knows, get a second ring in the house, if you know what I mean. But yeah, I feel like I like that she was there for him when he clearly needed it. And I'm happy that she was there to help out because the one big problem I have, yes, the family's very involved. Yes, the family is always there and they keep giving their two cents but it feels like they never they never talk about it with Emily they always avoid like giving Emily the harsh realities for whatever reason either they're scared of how she's going to respond or Emily just gets her way but that is not healthy because now you're putting all of it on the back of Kobe and that's not going to be easy for the man who just moved here and wants to be with his son to have to then um, be the one to go against Emily in the start of their cohabiting relationship.
1: 100%. And I did really like how she called Emily out um, last week for doing it.
2: Yes. I love that. I love that. She was like, I feel for him. I was like, bless you. Bless you. I forget her name, but bless you. Emily's yeah, it, sister. it
1: seems like maybe um, Emily's family has started to be more receptive of Kobe over the, this last little bit.
2: It was a matter of time because I think the biggest thing that Kobe did that they did not like Was when he told her to shut the F up, uh, that one, during that one exchange when he was shoveling the, the horse crap. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, we haven't seen anything really that the family's been opposed to. And we've, we've learned through the confessionals and the way Kobe's talking about it. He's been helping around the house. He's been trying to contribute when he can't contribute by working, by helping out around the house and like being there, working with Kobe. And uh, later on, we see that he did um, plan this surprise with the family knowing what was going on, but Emily being left in the dark. So I love that they are now actively what feels like they're rooting for Kobe and they're working with Kobe. Mm -hmm. That makes me happy.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's super cute. Um, It seems like he is just like a bit of a romantic cheeseball, too, with he he does the second proposal in the champagne at the restaurant. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, no, I love that very much. Which we'll—I wanted to ask you some questions about that specifically. We'll—we'll okay. uh, we'll get there after one more scene, which was we are now seven days have passed since the ring purchase day, so it's mm-hmm. twenty-seven days to wed. We're cutting it very close at this yeah. point. Um th- I've heard no plans of the wedding outside of Emily saying she's working on it. So. Kobe has planned the whole date night. Big Cheeseball plans this date night. He's arranged for the grandparents to take care of Coben, and you know she tells us she's been busy with wedding plans and she's working part time, so she's not really had time to do anything. But Kobe made dinner plans for us, and she says this is the most romantic thing he's done since China. So when they get to this restaurant, she suggests let's try some sake, which I've never had. Have you had sake?
1: Oh, sake is is pretty good, honestly. Okay. Um. It's it, it's probably not something that I remember that much. Mm. Like It's not what I would think of that often in every situation. But one of my uh, friends, roommates in university was like all about sake and would like drink a whole bottle.
2: <laughs> Damn. It goes down smooth. That sounds like a good time.
1: It does. It goes down pretty smooth.
2: That's awesome. Okay. So they wanted to have some sake to celebrate this date night. And you can tell... Uh Kobe's trying to plant the seeds of surprise he's like you know yes. what's the biggest surprise that you you think you'd get from me that you wouldn't expect and she's you know she's trying to mull it over doesn't know the uh, waitress comes over and says hey here's some free champagne on the house which I had never experienced this until about a week and a half ago for the first time um, oh. Liana myself two of our friends and Liana's mom went out for dinner and we sat outside the weather was beautiful and I I don't know, I guess we might have either seemed very positive and then uh, the, our friends had just gotten married recently. So we were you know, talking about that when the witches had come over so then she came back at the end of the dinner with a champagne bottle on the house I was like oh this happens very nice we will take this this is very beautiful that so, is
1: hilarious I've only gotten free champagne once and it was I was out for drinks uh, in Calgary with Kelly Wentworth and we just wait, like wait, got moment free moment of god. let's pick up champagne. that name
2: you dropped let's pick up that name alright we'll pick yes. it up Continue.
1: listen it's the only time I've gotten free champagne and then she didn't like it so she made me drink them both and then I got too drunk <laughs>
2: <laughs> Too much champagne from McKinnis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So that's always a nice feeling, right? So then Emily gets this free champagne. Oh my god, this is great! And they cheers. She goes for the drink. She sees the ring. Now, obviously, in the previews, they made it seem like the what the f she throws out there is more of a disgust. It was more of a surprise here. Yeah. She, she says she so loves excited. the ring. Yeah. This is a very beautiful scene. She loves it now. The thing I wanted to ask you here was. Is this something you'd be into? Like a this isn't that big of a public proposal. It's obviously public, but it's at their dinner table, so it's not a whole spectacle. Is this something you could see yourself enjoying, or are you more of a you don't like that kind of public situation, or do you think it's too cheesy? I'm just curious where your heads. I know you're a big rom com person, so I'm curious.
1: I am a big rom com person. I think for me personally, uh, it's still a little public. For my taste, I don't like the idea of like a server knowing before me that I'm about to get proposed to. That is <laughs> so very I th- fair. I think I would want it to be a little bit more private than that. But I think like on the scale of public proposals, it's definitely on the more acceptable side of mm. things. But like, what if they brought their champagne to the wrong table by accident? Oh, and then, God.
2: Like, Someone like, else gets to know you fight over it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like stuff like that would make me too scared to to go for something like
2: that yeah like i think with liana and myself we're both the same um where neither of us really like a public situation like that but i will say this is after we had like done the proposal and everything we were on one of our montreal trips and we went to the i don't remember the names of any place i do apologize to anyone from montreal listening who immediately gets what i'm saying but there's this like big ferris wheel that we were gonna go to and the line was huge. And I noticed as we're getting closer to the front of the line that they're pairing people up with like, they're like, okay, these two groups of like, there's two groups of two and they're putting them in the same uh, a pod mm-hmm. as it's going along. And they're leaving a lot of them empty. So I didn't know why that was happening. So then Liana was like, oh, take my ring. So she took the ring off. She said, take my ring, go to the person at front and tell them you're going to propose to me in the pod. And I was like, you are a genius. I will do that. So I took the ring from Liana. I went to the front. I like whispered, Hey, we're going to, I'm going to propose. Is there any way we can have our own? She was like, no, I'm sorry. Like, Really? (gasps) I'm sorry. No, you just, you said no. Cool. So then we have to share a pod with uh, a mother and her young child. And I was like, well, this is not as fun. (laughs) Okay.
1: The way they said no, that is, there must've been a reason why they had to leave some empty then.
2: Yeah, I have to imagine but even then I was like well you could just make you know someone else wait a little longer it's a special moment it, we're lying to you but you don't know that so yeah,
1: like, I'm all of I'm all aboard for like s- low like cost scheming like that where like you're like oh yeah of course I'm going to pretend I'm going to propose so that we can get the like pod to ourselves
2: yeah listen if it's a finesse that hurts nobody and and you know is uh, from a place of love I'm all for it
1: yeah oh me too Absolutely. Yeah.
2: It was listen, it was not to be that day. That's fine. Four years, three years, four years later, I'm still dealing with that hurt. But
1: Yeah, I can tell.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I still can't believe it. But yeah, we move on. Um, speaking of people feeling bad, Emily is starting to now feel very bad about this backup ring because she knows that this is gonna hurt his feelings because there's no way you can advertise, hey, I also bought a ring in case you didn't buy me one and have it be a positive spin on the story. There's just no way.
1: I think, honestly, like, I was thinking about this. Like, this is one of those things where you just don't tell them. I know that this is televised, and so he'll find out. You just say in the confessional, I feel horrible. I should have never done this. I'm returning the ring. It's over. And then you don't tell him.
2: That's the easiest thing. In my, in my notes, I wrote, um, just sell it, question mark, because if you don't tell him, he'll see it later. But you're not telling him immediately after he's shown you the ring, right? It doesn't show that you are getting your uh you are not get you are not believing in him. You're not putting trust in him to do what yeah. you wanted. Like so, she
1: she says, obviously, yes, I'm so excited. They are like celebrating with her whole family, it seems, later that night. And that's when she's like, I have to tell him right now. And it's like, no, actually you are only doing it right now because you're trying to soothe your guilty conscience and actually you should not ruin this experience for Kobe right now.
2: Yeah, like you've come home your family is celebrating with you. They were all in on it. So he reproposed, obviously put the ring on her formally. Everything was very sweet and now you're having champagne at the house with your family. It's a family moment you're all together in harmony and this is something that you've always wanted and you tell us you're guilty about the ring In confessional, then you, in confession, you also tell us you don't know when to tell them about it, but you think the sooner the better so you can get it off your chest. So this is for you to free yourself of the guilty conscience of of living with this for a little bit. So you bring it up that same night, and the way she went about it really was awful. She went to her bag and said, You know, I gotta, I gotta get something off my chest here. She goes over, opens her bag, brings out the ring uh, case and says, I bought my own ring in case you didn't buy me a ring. Uh, and yikes. Immediate from dad was, where did this money come from? How did you? Was okay,
1: <laughs> Mr. Accountant needs, like, I get that he's supporting his whole entire family. And I'm sure that that's a massive strain on him. But, like, calm down, Mr. Moneybags. Like, chill out. I mean, that I just, was my first question also. But.
2: Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? Is that if, if he has agreed to pay for the wedding, because we don't know what money this came from. Right. It could have come from the money she took for the wedding fund, which yeah. would be like, well, why is this part of the expenses suddenly? But obviously Kobe feels some type of way about this. He feels very much disrespected and insulted that she would just assume he couldn't deliver on something like this. And, and
1: her why did she have to do it? Tell him in front of everyone too.
2: Yeah. Like you don't want to emasculate or insult or what, whichever insert bad negative word here but you did it in front of everybody and also three of like two of the people at least in the circle knew about it so it's awkward Ugh. yeah
1: super awkward super uncomfortable and i think kobe handles it really well when he's just like i'm just going to go to bed i i yeah. got to go he
2: made no remarks no reactions he just all he said was i don't even want to look at this and pass the ring over to the dad and then left which respect i feel like that's a very hard place to be where I'm sure he's feeling a lot of emotions but he didn't let any of it out he just left I think removing yourself from that situation is ace behavior absolutely yeah so that is the last scene we see with them is Emily wearing both the rings on her finger why why
1: she this woman is so immature yes like she's a whole mother and she's acting like this
2: I, you know, I've said this before. I feel like more so now than ever. Kobe deserves better than this. He deserves better treatment than this.
1: Kobe is just like wants to be in his son's life and like is obviously willing to put up with a reasonable amount of BS to get it because of how he's put up with Emily. So, like, I feel bad for him.
2: Same. Uh, Well, okay, Kirsten, let's take a quick break when we get back. We will hop in and talk about Ari and Binyam and Leandro.
0: Yeah.
2: all right fresh off the heels of a mma debut victory we go to ari and binyam which by the way i will say liana did look into this apparently binyam has fought one other time in 2017 oh and won that one too
1: wow okay so he's got a hundred percent record
2: he's got a hundred percent record but then he he fought in the u.s in 2017 so I thought the whole I'm thing confused. was that
1: he couldn't go to the U.S. before.
2: It's a great question. Yeah, I looked at the link she sent me. I think it's the same Binium. I'm pretty sure it's the same Binny, So I don't know where that stems from, but maybe someone else has investigated and can let me know. Would appreciate that. But anyway, in this episode, the main focus, similarly to 90 Day the Other Way. Mm-hmm. Oh, here comes the ex-husband Leandro into the scene. They give us the history of Leandro. Obviously, if you've been, you know, on the Hot Mess Express for the last year, you know exactly who Leandro is. But for anyone who's new here, Leandro is Ari's ex-husband, who she is very close friends with. She says they're best friends. Leandro has made one other appearance on this show where he visited Ari and Binium in Ethiopia last season. Mm -hmm. And... Things were kind of awkward there too. The baseline with them is that Binium feels uncomfortable with Leandro and doesn't think the feelings are resolved between Ari and Leandro. And I feel similarly to yes. Binium.
1: Well, and what's interesting, Puya, is I actually think I was on the episode of the other way when Leandro arrived. Wow. Um because I feel like he, like, brought her bras, and, like, that was a weird thing.
2: Oh, my and, God, yes.
1: <laughs> I um, forgot about that. I was watching today, and I was, like, truly the synergy. Like, this is wild. And, like, we also found out on the other way that um Ari, like, left to go traveling and was, like, kind of broken up with Leandro, but not really when she met Binium. And, like, it seems like the only reason why she's with Binium and not Leandro is because she got pregnant.
2: Yeah, you know, and that is not a good spot to land here because that is how it felt before as well. Um, because when they had taken that break, that's when these two met up. And then yeah. it's one of those big what ifs, I think, in the 90 day universe of what if that never happened? What if these two never met? Would, th- would she have gone back to Leandra? I think a lot of di- uh, fingers point in the direction of yes, she would have. Now clearly she's with Binium. She's committed with Binium. Everything's good with Binium, but. The hypocrisy, Kirsten, yeah. I want to talk about for a second. Absolutely. So these last two weeks, one of the big points of contention between Ari and Binium was that Ari was very mad that Binium was training with another woman and not with a man. And also, I think primarily not telling Ari about it. Yes. But Binium has pretty much done everything very clearly to indicate that he doesn't feel comfortable with Leandro. And why does he have to have lunch with Leandro? See, here's the thing for me. Do I think exes can be friends? Yes, I do believe exes can be friends. But also I do believe that if the person you are dating or you're engaged to or you're married to, if they don't gel with your ex or they don't like your ex or they don't get along, you got to preserve their feelings a little bit. Yeah, I'm not saying like cuss this person. out, will never talk to them again. But I feel like Ari has no interest in in paying attention to that part of Binium at all
1: yeah it's it's like she doesn't care at all that this makes Binium upset and like I also I agree like I think exes can be friends I think in a lot of situations they shouldn't be um just because like there's too much possibility for like old feelings and hurt feelings to come up but like like why does Leander have to be such a big figure in your life like, it's over. You went backpacking to escape from him, but now you're just like, can't let it go? And her whole family also is the same way, and it was really bugging me.
2: Yeah, it, it because the whole story for this week is Leandra telling us, yeah, I'm essentially part of the family, so now we are family, Binyam, and no one's fighting him on it, so I guess it's true, right? He is that close to the family where they consider him part of the family, so Binium has to also accept that as the case. But you can tell Binium's struggling with this big time. And obviously, a lot of little moments happened while Leandro was in Ethiopia that made binium feel this way. Mm-hmm. Now, in this uh lunch they're having outside, they, there's a moment where again, binium and Ari's business comes into the forefront and Leandro's sitting here giving advice. He's like, you know, it doesn't seem like you communicate enough with, with Ari. I made the same mistake. I'm just telling you this as an advice. Oh,
1: you, my God.
2: You, you do, not, do not insert yourself. You're friends with Ari. You're not friends with Binium. This is not your place to talk. I well, feel and like. like,
1: also, if Ari is so close with Leandra, well, just have lunch with Leandra. Why? Like, don't make Binium go.
2: See, I my question is Did Binium hear that this lunch was happening and said, oh, well, I will definitely be there then?
1: Yeah, I could see that. I could see that.
2: Yeah, because he does say he does not trust Leandro, period. So, I think that might be part of it. And again, this weird, contentious, like we are both being nice to each other's faces, but also, I know that he doesn't trust me, but he has to deal with it and I don't trust him and I don't want him around my family. It's awkward. So, watching this, it's like a very very uncomfortable roller coaster that i'm on
1: yeah well and then and ari's like yeah like what we're it's the ethiopian new year like we're doing all this stuff and it's like okay well it seems like she's really trying to engage Biniam in the conversation and like make room for him and then she's like and so leandro obviously we want you to come to this celebratory dinner
2: yeah and i loved Biniam saying yeah you know we're doing this dinner i think you might be busy though leandro and leandro's like no no i'm free Your family's my family and i thought Ari, shouldn't you have talked to Binium? This is his first New Year's away from family. And by the way, um, as someone who does celebrate a Persian New Year away from home by going to a Persian restaurant, I resonated with this a billion percent. It's about as close you can get to being home without being there. So this is definitely a very fun and nice gesture for them to spend this New Year's at a res- Ethiopian restaurant. Yes. But I can imagine <laughs> Binium would not have wanted Leandro there. But now he has no choice because Ari puts him in a spot where either he says no and he's the dick for Mm -hmm. for doing this. And he's the one who's not cool and not secure in the relationship. Or he says yes and now has to share this very big celebration first time away from home moment with Avi, Ari and Ari's family and Leandro all at the same spot.
1: Exactly. And Ari's family doesn't help because they spend the meal like comparing the Ethiopian food to... Is Leandro, where's he from Argentinian? Again? Argentinian. Argentinian. Okay, I was going to yeah. say Argentinian, but then I was like, wait, did I make that up? Um, But yeah, so like then they're just comparing the foods from her ex-husband and her like current fiance's cultures. And I'm like, this is weird.
2: Yeah, let's talk about that dinner because I didn't love it either. Um, Leandro has moments where I feel like he's trying to, he knows Bidium's going to feel uncomfortable. So he's trying to make him not feel comfortable. He was like, yeah you know, with Argentinian food, we're very dull with food. And then all you hear is Ari from the other side of the hill pipe up and say, no, no, I love Argentinian food. Hey, the Argentinian man said it's dull. Let it be dull. Why must you, he doesn't need you to save him. He knows what he's doing. He's trying to not make it about him. And here you are letting it be about him. I felt so bad for Binium because there was another moment that we'll get to. But before that, we learn about something called, I have it in my notes here, Gersha. And in Ethiopian culture, if I have it correctly here, Gersha is when you it's the act of you feeding another person from your hand and mm-hmm. it is a sign of affection in and the respect. family. Yeah. A- re- affection and respect. So we see um, Ari feed a handful to her mom, to her dad. And then um, the offer was, okay, Leandro. I think the mom was like, Leandro, are Ari's going to feed you. And he's like, I'm more than capable of feeding myself. Thank you. And then Binium's like, no, no, come on. You're part of the family. We should feed you. And then Binion proceeds to make the biggest handful I would call it a fistful of food. Yeah. Packs up this punch and then feeds him this big gulp, which was awesome and hilarious. But what didn't help is Ari's mom then continuing the joke later of, oh, wow, you were trying to choke him again, huh? You were trying to take him out.
1: Yeah.
2: Like, why? Why must you do this?
1: I mean, he was. Trying to choke him a little bit. I a think little, we I mean, can all say. Yes. But you know what? It was funny. It was like in a socially acceptable way. Um, because I do, I do think that Leandra was like, Oh no, I don't want Ari to feed me because like I am starting to feel some of the awkwardness of the situation. But I think the way of saying it, like, Oh no, I can feed myself almost feels a little dismissive of the custom.
2: I didn't think of it that way, but that's a good point. I, I could see um, it coming off that way for sure.
1: So, I like, I I didn't think that he was, like, purposefully doing that, but, like, I do think it also came off a little bit that way, and that might have also fueled Vinny a little bit.
2: Yeah, Vinny's like, alright, eat this food right now. Um, so then, uh, what's it called? Leandro has a confession where he talks about how he feels like Vinny is trying to eliminate the threat. This is after the feeding, of course. And then, the worst sister of the franchise, in my opinion, Ari's sister, Kristen, arrives at the scene, takes a seat right next to Leandro. And all I could think is, Kristen, if you open your mouth and say anything at this dinner, I will be very upset. So Please don't. Luckily, we didn't see any of it on screen, so I'm happy with that. That's good. Um, <laughs> and then they ask a little bit about the customs for, you know, the new year. What does the new year represent? What do you do? The question was, do you drink champagne at midnight? Like, what's the situation? And he mentions that there's this like um, honey wine drink that they have yes. and that with the change in the new year, you, you know, you replace a lot of your old stuff. You put some new stuff up and then the mom pipes up and says, oh, like you, you know, you do something new. Like you start telling the truth all the time. Like Why the
1: drive by? Ma'am, it's a holiday. This is clearly an important day for this man who is celebrating it for the first time, not with his family. And you're like, you know what? Let me just shank him real quick. Like, stop it.
2: And like, not for nothing, I've been feeling like at the very least, Ari's mom has always been good with, you know, talking with Binium and trying to respect Binium and and have Biniyam be part of the family earlier when Leandro and Ari were at the lunch. Binium was going to join them later because he was hanging out with Ari's mom. So I thought they have a good relationship, which made this feel very uncomfortable and very much out of nowhere. So my question is, do you think there's a world where Ari's family may have wanted potentially Ari to end up with Leandro? And as much as they love Binium or they care for Binium, when they're around Leandro, they can't help but compare the two and then pick a favorite.
1: Yeah, it seems like they love Leandro and that they just really wanted that to work out, which is all the more reason why you shouldn't have Leandro come hang out with the family for a holiday.
2: Yeah, and I think, I mean, this is the complicated part of when um, you have in-laws and then you become friends with the in-laws and they're close to you and then a breakup happens. It's like if they still think you're part of the family and you're also good with your ex-wife, then you kind of do. And and. I don't know how long, I don't remember how long ago the marriage was between Leandro and Ari, but there's also reason to believe, potentially, that let's say Leandro doesn't have a lot of people, um, a lot of his family, let's say, in in the States, so maybe they took him in and they find, they have this kinship towards him where he is part of the family, but so is Binium. and Binium is the father of your grandson, so maybe, again, maybe don't take shots at him on his own holiday. If this was a regular dinner, I would still say this is outrageous, but it's not a special dinner that's catered towards him, his culture and and his customs. So that might have been more acceptable, as messed up as that sounds.
1: You know, I, I agree on that, friend. And uh, here's the thing. Like, if you become friends with your in-laws and then the relationship ends, honestly, if you don't have kids, you need to go no contact for a long while. And I just don't think they've ever done that. Like, I I just don't think it's appropriate to still maintain that kind of relationship after it ends um, without at least a long stretch of, like, we're going no contact at all. And then we'll see from there.
2: Well, I think the next scene we're about to talk about also could give us more indication as to why and how close Leandro is with the family. So Ari brings up wedding dress shopping. And says, yeah, me, and is talking to her mom and says, you, Kristen, and Leandro and I can go dress shopping. And I was like, hold up, hold on, Leandro? Leandro got the invite to the wedding dress shopping? And you could tell, Biniam's like, why does Leandro need to be there exactly? And uh, he's like, why can't I be there? Like, well, the husband can't see the wedding dress, of course. Like, yeah, okay, fair. But then we find out later that Leandro picked out her wedding dress that she had for their wedding. And it was a low-cost Pink outfit, I guess that she was wearing. Yeah. So this to me feels like you know that there's some boundary here. You know that there's some divide here and you don't need to give extend the invite for the wedding dress shopping. And I don't think anyone would have batted an eye, but you did. So I don't understand why you're doing this. Well-
1: Yeah, it's a weird thing to do. And then when Beniam's like, whoa, but why? I feel like the response is to be like, oh, you know what? Actually, fair. Maybe I won't have my ex-husband help pick my wedding dress. But instead they act like, well, but like you can't go. So like he's the next best thing. That's not going to help Beniam's like, uh, you know, confidence issues in the relationship.
2: Yeah. And then when like the mom's joking about, yeah, he's going to he's going to help you pick out a bra. haha. Clearly calling back to, I now realize, to the bra shopping from the last season, this isn't funny for Biniam. Like, this is so uncomfortable. No, like, they're
1: bullying him. They took him out for a nice meal for his holiday and said, let's bully him.
2: No, they said, you know what, New Year, we have to change. We're just going to be dicks to you now. Yeah, like, they're like, let's our- be
1: worse. <laughs> we'll be worse this year.
2: Doing something different, yeah. It's wild that none of this came from Kristen because Kristen has been one of the worst ones, but this was all mom.
1: Kristen was the one who was like, well, did you even wear a wedding dress when you married Leandro? Which was a little off-base, I think.
2: Explain why.
1: Like, it's just a weird, like, why are you bringing up her first wedding? The marriage didn't work out. It ended. So if Leandro is just part of the family now and we just love him so much, then he needs to be part of the family outside of his relationship with Ari.
2: Yeah, that's so nuts to me. This whole, I fell for every bit for Binium here. Happy Ethiopian New Year, my guy. I know this isn't live, so this was recorded months ago. But I hope you've had a good new year outside of the way it started. Because, my God, this was not easy to watch. Yeah,
1: I really hope things have turned around for him a little bit.
2: I hope so, too. But that's all we got from them. Also, I did forget to bring up the next time Ons. So let me quickly look over here. Um, Luckily enough, Emily and Kobe did not have a next time on, so that's fine. Ari and Biniam do have one. And it is a pregnancy scare. Kirsten, there might be a new pregnancy in this family.
1: Wait, What?
2: Yeah. So, when the next time on, what happened was, again, Leandro's hanging out with Ari and Binium, and B- uh, Ari comes out and says, You know, I've been, I'm not feeling good. And uh, Binium says, Is it like vomit or so- like something? And she says, No, I just feel a little bit nauseous. And then Leandro says, How long has it been since you've had your period? And nope. then,
1: Nope. No,
2: no. I'm just quoting the show. That Legitimately, none- that is what happened. It's off-base, but that is what happened.
1: I I choose not to perceive. Absolutely not.
2: Well, then she, the next scene was her going to the bathroom and pulling out a pregnancy test. We didn't see the result of the pregnancy test. So that I don't know what happens. I'm also not um been looking at the Reddit, so I couldn't tell you if people know whether or not something's going on. I don't know. So we'll find out next week. But yeah, more Leandro getting too involved is coming up. Like,
1: even if he thinks that might be it, then say like, "Oh, are you? Could you be pregnant? Why are you asking when her menses were?"
2: And again, very like, yeah, yeah, no. And again, he said it with chest, Kirsten, like with full confidence, no stutter, just put it out there.
1: I don't like him. like I think last time I saw him I was like oh this is weird but I get it you know he's caught up on his ex whatever but no absolutely not
2: I think what helps feed us not liking him is when he in confessional says yeah he's not going to get rid of me I'm not going anywhere
1: well maybe you should Leandro go find someone else I guarantee you there's a woman for you Ari is not it
2: you know, part of me thought when, uh, because we saw the back of Kristen when she came to the table I was like, oh my god, is this is this Leandro's partner? Because that might take the edge off. Nope, it wasn't. So, just Leandro being single and involved what? with this family. What if it.
1: Leandro and Kristen got together?
2: Then they would be the worst couple of all time.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. True. true. True, true, Yeah.
2: <laughs> okay, well, actually, that would be kind of fun, because then it would really show us how Ari feels about it, and I would be down for that. That could be fun and messy, but... I, mean, I don't want to see RMDM really back up. again.
1: It's it's really messed up. Like yeah, you shouldn't sleep with your sister's ex.
2: Or with your ex's sister.
1: Yeah, absolutely yeah.
2: not. No. All right. Well, then let's quickly move over to the next couple that really had one scene, and we've not talked about them in a minute because they've been on hiatus. But here come Eve and Muhammad. Now We talked about how Emily and Kobe were about 27 days away from their wedding, or Mm -hmm. from the 90 days being done. This couple has only been 17 days in, so they're 73 days away still, and they've not been seeing eye to eye. Of course, it's even Muhammad here, and they are going to the gym together. They're trying to blow off some steam and work out together, and you know, go into the gym with your with your um, spouse or with your partner. I can I can tell you it's it's not a bad time. I do enjoy going to the gym with Liana. Uh, but here they are. They're going to the gym, and immediately Eve says, Am I allowed to wear this shirt? And Mohammed says, Yeah, you're allowed. And then Mohammed says in confessional, for me this outfit was too revealing, but I don't want to fight with her. I want to understand her culture, and I hope that she also tries to understand my culture as well, which I thought. Very mature approach, Muhammad. Yeah, okay. Because I like what, that. Is,
1: what is Eve doing when they're already at the gym to be like, oh, am I allowed to wear this? What's he supposed to say? You're already at the gym. Like, if you're actually going to ask that kind of question and you care about his response, you would ask when you're at the house and then be- make your decision based on what he says there. Like, what? Muhammad's going to get in a public fight with Eve about her shirt?
2: Right. where like, I mean, that's one of those things, right? Where she is, she wore it. They're at the gym. If he says, no, they're leaving. If he says, yeah, sorry. If he says, I don't approve well, they're going to fight or they're going to leave or whatever. I thought he made the good approach of to be honest with us and say, I did feel like it was too revealing. I did feel a little bit uncomfortable about it, but also I, you know, I'm trying to be understanding and, and try and be okay with it. So it's good. I was like, okay, mature conversation. So far, so good. So far, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, Muhammad, improvement. I like it. Let's see where it goes here. Uh, spoiler alert, doesn't go too far beyond that. Okay. All right. Yeah. So they're on the treadmills. They're walking around. They're talking. They're just chilling. And Eve brings up, well, I've always wanted to have another baby. And I feel like, you know, Muhammad, he's great with Theron. And I kind of want to share that experience with them. I think he'd be a great father, is what she tells mm-hmm. us. And then on the flip side, Muhammad, when he, when this is brought up to him, he says that, yeah, you know, if we have a chance, I would love to have a child with you. I love you. But also if we didn't have a child, that wouldn't bother me, which again, two for two, very mature response. Uh, if we can have a child, yay. If we can't, I love you no matter what. Love that response from you. That is great. That is good. What happens next is a little bit more complex. So Muhammad starts talking about, well, you know, I just want to say it's important to me that. If we have a child, I want to be able to take my like the child our child to the mosque and you know show um and it was a lot of like show him my religion and you know I it's important for me that the child grows up Muslim. Mm -hmm. And then he tells us, or he tells her rather, this wasn't a confessional, that I will teach my religion. Then when he's an adult, he can choose. Which I thought again, very mature response. But then this thread didn't last as long as I thought it would. Because then later, he started saying stuff like, she cannot confuse the child by, you know, not also, how do I want to word this, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, so the the conversation, I feel like we obviously didn't get shown the full conversation that was had. And it did, it felt a little choppy. And with this couple, I've been confused back and forth because I think... I think they really want us to all just like side with Eve and act like she is acting like a rational human being here, but uh, she's being horrible at least the last several episodes, whenever anything comes up. Um, Like, why are you bringing up a conversation about having kids at the gym anyways? Like it doesn't seem like the time to have that conversation, but it basically comes down to Muhammad says, if I have like, if I have a child, They need to be Muslim. And if they're not, I prefer not to have a child. And I think the show is trying to present that as if that's some horrible thing for him to say. Mm -hmm. But like, if you're going to have kids, you need to discuss the religious upbringing of those children and you need to be on the same page. And so his limit is if he's having a child, the child will be raised Muslim. And, you know, if as an adult, if they make a different choice, that's up to them as an adult. But their upbringing will be Muslim. And Eve's like, well, but shouldn't kids like get a chance to decide? And he's like, well, I I don't agree. And Mm -hmm. that's both of them, I think, are perfectly valid ways of viewing the world. They're just fundamentally incompatible with each other.
2: And these two are fundamentally incompatible with each other, like we've discussed Absolutely. for weeks on end.
1: Well, I think that's why they've only been there like 17 days or, or whatever, uh, because like Muhammad's going home, right? Like he's going to leave because he at least can see that their differences are not something that can be glossed over or simply worked out. They're just it, not compatible.
2: We almost have more episodes than days they've been together on the show. We are on episode 11. They have had 17 days together. So to me, all signs should point to they're not going to end up together. But then is this going to be a situation where we just skip through like 50 days the next time we see them and they're in the middle of the wedding planning? I wouldn't put it past, C. uh, was about to say CBS TLC (laughs) to get us there really. But I love the way you put that curse and I appreciate you for um, you know, summarizing it in better words than I could have because I feel like ultimately with them to if we follow the line that you just put out there he says that he doesn't want to raise his child with that freedom and he does mention that he thinks eve was raised with too much freedom which i was like okay i didn't like that line that was
1: far. well i do i do also think a lot of that Also can be explained like English is not his first language and like freedom might not specifically be what he means there either. Like Mm -hmm. I, I really think the show is being super problematic the way they approach this couple and they make it sound as if like Eva Muhammad had never talked about things before and he is blindsiding her with how his religious observances are and that you know he's controlling and all of that and it's like at the end of the day she knew who he was she knew what he believed and I think that she as an American overseas just assumed That Muhammad was only acting the way that he was acting because he was in Egypt and, quote unquote, had to act that way. But if he came to America, he would have so much freedom that he could be however he really wants to be. Because she can't understand that someone would want a different life than what she wants. That's how it seems to me from the outside. And it's really, really messed up how they paint Muhammad as this like horrible person when like I mean he could be a horrible person but we don't know him well enough to know if he is and they're they're acting like anyone who is like Muslim or Islam like is like they're trying to paint it with that brush and I do not like it
2: no and I you know there's a lot of truth to that because if you boil it down to its bare bones and if you're giving someone the 20 second summary of the relationship it is yes so Eve is American. She lives in the States. She has a son named Theron. She hangs out with her friends, the squad. They go out for wine. They drink. They hang out. They have a good time. Muhammad is a Muslim man who is coming in from Egypt, who is a more conservative guy who is now putting limitations on how Eve should lead her life. And I feel like that, if you summarize it like that, of course, Muhammad looks like he's coming in and he's, you know, changing someone's life in a more suffocating and limiting way. But when he's being upfront about stuff like this, like to to tell her, yeah, I want my son to be raised or I want my child to be raised Muslim. And if my child is not a Muslim, I don't want to have a child. That is a difficult thing to hear. But if he's saying there's no debate about it, that's how he feels. And ultimately, like you said, to go back to the beginning, they are fundamentally not compatible uh, schools of thought. And they are not fundamentally compatible thoughts if you're going to share uh, bringing a child into this world together. That combined with how he wants to lead his life, combined with how she would like to lead her life, none of them are compromising discussions that will land them in the middle. It's It's either A or B. Either we go the Muhammad route or we go the Eve route. There's no middle Muhammad and Eve route that I can see. So to me, that is not, that is not indicative of a relationship that's going to work out. So 17 days in, this is how many red flags, how many discussions they've had that neither agree with. So we'll see where it goes from there. That is the last we saw of them was the one gym scene. And that was it. This episode in the next time on, we see Eve mentioned that she want, they have to push the wedding back a whole month. And we hear Muhammad say, I want my green card if i don't get this wedding i will start packing my bags so i want to wait till we see more context to that but obviously also having watched 90 day as much as i have when the term green card comes in and it's coming from the mouth of the non-american it can very much be painted with that's what he's here for we caught him so let's see what happens next week before we dive into that
1: yeah 100 percent. and like It could be even if that's what they're saying. It could fully be like, yeah, he wants that so that he can start working. So yeah, he he wants to
2: work. He wants to travel. You can't travel until you get that. You can't go anywhere. Um, you can. So when you apply for your uh, adjustment of status, you are applying for the temporary green card. You're applying for your work permit. You can additionally apply for. I do not remember what the term was for this document, but the the document I can't remember the name of allows you to travel. While you're waiting for the green card so that you can re-enter the United States. That is still not a guaranteed return because with that document, the TSA agent could still reject you, but you are able to then travel. You at least have that going for you. So I could very well see a world where he doesn't know that he has that and he just thinks I have to get the green card. But there's so much more that goes into it because even the green card at the beginning is temporary and is only a two-year green card. So you're not like set for life or anything like that. All right. Let's take one more break. When we come back, we're going to tackle the highs and lows of Patrick and Ice. All right, Kirsten, we're going to Vegas. How about that? It's the Las Vegas time for, for us here on this journey on the Hot Mess Express. Are you ready?
1: Woo, tequila, Vegas.
2: <laughs> I am Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> so Patrick and Thais, they are about close to the midway point of their journey. 48 days left of the 90-day journey. They've been in Dallas for a few weeks now. And Patrick highlights, you know, the move, the party that John threw the decoration argument. We've been in a lot of fights recently. And now he tells Thais, you know, we should go to Vegas. It's like, oh, I, I could, I'd be down with Vegas. it's like, good. I already bought tickets and everything. We're leaving tomorrow. So you didn't learn that she wants to be part of the decision making. But hey, Thais is excited about Vegas. She says, this has been a dream for me. I feel like it's it's for a lot of us. Like when I thought about moving to the States, I was like, all right, New York is on the list. Vegas is on the list. And, I guess to a lesser extent, L.A. was on my list. I think.
1: Mm. Um, wow, you really had a lot of West Coast locales on your list.
2: I mean, New York is East Coast, you know. Well, Scally's listening. I love, I love New you. York. I promise, Scally. I promise. Okay.
1: Oh my god.
2: You know, I don't want to get the tweets from him. Yeah.
1: I listen. He's. You're gonna get the tweets until you live there.
2: Yeah, well, that's probably not going to happen, but I hope we can still be friends, Gali. Okay. All right. So Vegas, baby. They're going to Vegas, and it just kind of skips through. They got the Vegas tickets. It's the next day. They're in Vegas. So we find out that um, Patrick's other brother, his younger brother, Matthew, lives in Vegas. And we get a little bit of backstory where when um, Patrick's mother's drug problems got very bad, Patrick left the family. And then Matthew stayed behind and took care of their mother. And when they were between the age of seven and 13, the three of them, Patrick, Matthew, and John, all shared a bedroom. So they're very, very close. And Mm -hmm. he's hoping that Thais and Matthew get along because obviously Thais and John have not been getting along. So that's what he's hoping for with this visit here.
1: Well, and, and you know what? Good for him. How many days has it been since they fought about money?
2: If you give me a second, I can look at my notes and see where we were at on the timeline. Last, all
1: I can think is the last thing we saw was he would not tell Thais how much money they had. He would not like. She was upset because he wanted to control everything. He was upset because she has quote cost him ten grand already, and now he's like, "I've bought us an all expenses paid trip to Vegas."
2: Okay, so the last time we started with them in episode ten. It said sixty-seven days to wed. This episode started with forty-eight days, so it's been okay, about it's
1: been a couple weeks,
2: close to three weeks, not three weeks quite, but yeah.
1: Okay, well, that at least makes a little bit more sense. I well, yeah, and I think for the most part they're probably pretty boring as a couple, and so they really only are going to include them when they have some sort of big blow up.
2: Yeah, I mean, I feel like the biggest points of contention with with the two of them is John. It's now the the transparency with the finances and the decision making. And then this bit that we had kind of forgotten for a couple of weeks that now comes back into the fold, which is, Thais hasn't told her dad that she is getting married on this trip to Patrick. So, those uh, are the
1: points. Yeah, I mean, what did we think of Patrick's brother?
2: I loved him. I loved Matthew. Matthew and Matthew's husband, Carlos, come to this bar where they're hanging out. And Matthew seemed very nice. Thais loved him, which is already a plus. And maybe it's just because I'm comparing Matthew to John, but Matthew comes out a lot more ahead of John in many aspects to me.
1: Oh, agreed. I mean, John like needs help.
2: Yes. And, <laughs> and he needs to be living his own life away from Patrick and Thais.
1: Yes. I also my like other theory on the John of it all is I think like Maybe Patrick needs help paying the mortgage.
2: That's not I impossible. Think,
1: I think he's overextended his credit because like the Tesla, those have high monthly payments. Mm-hmm. Plus the new house, plus all the trips. I think he's overextended. The, my theory is that he is overextended.
2: Yeah, Right. Because like the thing, the story we've heard with, with Patrick, the way it was painted and structured from the beginning was Patrick, you know, gets caught um, using performance-enhancing drugs, loses his opportunities in weightlifting, and his partner at the time, who was also in the sport, was still, I guess, continuing. They break up. They no longer have the sport in common. And then John moves in with him. And it mostly was seen from a side of he needed someone to be there for him, and he didn't want to be alone. And then now... He doesn't want, he told us that if, you know, things don't work out with Thais, he doesn't want to be alone all over again. So I feel like if you combine that with looking at his finances, his reluctance to talk about finances, I think there's definitely a world where Patrick could need some help with money. I mean, they work together. So just going splitsies on the place could help, but I feel like if that was the case, Kirsten, we'd hear a lot more of this is my house too. I'm paying like John would be very open about it. He's also paying for the house. He would not Mm, keep that in this back pocket. That's
1: true. That is a very good point. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I'm wrong then.
2: Yeah. Well, I think, I think it's more of a having a safety net slash like backup in case something goes wrong with Thais, which again, doesn't give Thais the vote of confidence she needs in this relationship. But no, I think ultimately I liked Matthew quite a bit. In talking to Matthew, Thais does let out that, you know, her dad doesn't know they're getting married, which Patrick obviously hears, puts aside, and is definitely going to bring up when they leave this dinner.
1: I She let that information slide out of her lips so easily.
2: It didn't feel like she was like, oh, it kind of just slipped. Like, I don't know. It seemed like you had time to prepare to say that. It didn't seem like an accident to me, but hey, it is what it is.
1: Yeah. And I I guess it just goes to show that she gets along better with his brother, Matthew, because she felt comfortable actually sharing information after just a few drinks and dinner. Yeah, yeah, Yeah.
2: It goes a long way. Being in a comfortable environment with family goes a long way. Like, I can tell you this, having, you know, meeting like members of Liana's family, there's definitely some that I opened up to a lot quicker and was able to talk with a lot more comfortably out the gate. And mm-hmm. with some, it might have taken me a little bit longer to get to that place. So when you do find someone, especially when none of your family and friends are around, exactly. you will gravitate to the first one who you feel comfortable to. Yeah,
1: immediately. Definitely makes sense. I. Uh and you know in a normal situation it wouldn't mean anything bad about the other family members it's just in this one john sucks in this uh,
2: yeah in the john specifically sucks yes
1: yeah. <laughs> so he's the worst and so patrick is like very understandably upset about this like he is like you haven't told your dad like this is a bad idea this is horrible and like patrick for once is right about something
2: so while i do understand where patrick's coming from and i do think that you know, where he, as he stands, as he sees it, he feels like you should be able to tell your dad and, you know, it's important for family to know and family to be a part of this journey with you. I feel like he's too mad about it, which throws me off. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like him being upset about what you didn't tell your dad. Yes, to a certain extent. But he's, when they get back to the hotel, he's essentially yelling at her about it. Which I didn't quite understand why. I don't yeah, know. Yeah,
1: it, I, it, I don't think that he knows how to constructively have a conflict with someone at all by any means. Um, and based on his confessionals as the episode goes on, it seems like his perspective is, well... If Thais has hasn't told her dad we're getting married, maybe we're really not getting married. And she has come just for a vacation to America to use all my money and then leave me to go back to Brazil. And so I I think that that's where his insecurities come from. But what doesn't make sense is like yelling, yelling at her is not solving anything. Like just have a conversation.
2: Yeah, like just... air your your concerns to her and she will respond with how she feels about it because the biggest issue with this Kirsten is that there's a big part of it still that Thais has not let out she's let out that my dad doesn't know we're getting I'm getting married on this trip but she hasn't said I haven't mentioned it because he doesn't like you (laughs) like he doesn't know that part so if he knew that the outrage makes a lot more sense to me because it's like, wow, so I'm the man who stole his little girl and married her and now is keeping her away from from him. Like, that's not a good look. I don't want to be a part of that. The, the reasoning he tells us about the maybe we're not getting married, even then I was like, Patrick, stop this. That is ridiculous. But when he talks to her later, he says, well, your dad might think I have you here for the wrong reasons, like to just have sex with you and stuff. Huh? Uh, I, vacation sex I guess is what you're thinking
1: I mean I that is kind of how Thais's dad thinks of American men with Brazilian women yes TBH, so <laughs> I mean he's not completely wrong there
2: he has indirectly led to the right place of what he might think of uh, him before any of this is even out there so maybe half of it is true already Patrick okay
1: i I do just think it's very funny that Thais, like, she just sees, like, she is 25 and she feels so 25 in this moment. And she's like, yeah, I will tell him when it's done because then he'll know it worked out and then he doesn't have to have doubts anymore. And, like, I'm just going to tell him then it's, like, no problem at all. Like, why are you upset? (laughs) And Patrick is like you didn't tell your dad we're getting married. Like, this is serious. If he doesn't like me, us getting married in secret isn't going to make him like me. Like, he probably would have liked the opportunity to win over her dad.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, I feel like also getting the blessing, stuff like that. But, I mean, no, actually, you know what? What am I saying? He would have had to gotten the blessing to do this. So, in my head, I'm like, Patrick, had you not made any indication that this was happening? Well, met yeah, and that's- before?
1: I looked on the Reddit a little bit because I am now an addict and Uh the people are like, are you saying that over 12 visits to Brazil, Patrick never spoke to her dad about like maybe having more serious intentions, like not even necessarily asking permission, but like talking about a serious future.
2: Just like, yeah, this is the direction it's going to head with me and her like that didn't come up. It's interesting.
1: It feels very odd.
2: Yeah. So the reason they start arguing as well in the hotel is because Thais had said they were talking about potentially going out that night. So yeah, I just want to talk to my dad. And then, you know, we're good to go. He's like, are you going to tell him we're getting married? She's like, no, I'm just going to talk to him and like, you know, give him updates on how everything's going. And then that's it. And then they start fighting. Now we get to later that night and Thais is in charge of she's picked the destination for them to go to and she's the one navigating. As they're going, oh, take a right here, take a left here. And Patrick's in the dark. He has no idea what's happening. And she is asking, similar to Kobe earlier, like, our plan is to get married, right? Like, that's what you want. You want to get married? He's like, yeah, I do. Like, anyway, where are we going? What is it? A bar? Is it a restaurant? It's like, it's a surprise. We're going for a surprise. They drive up to a wedding chapel. and she is so pumped up. She's like, Oh my God, we're going to get married now. And she's like, I, you know what? I think, uh, she tells us, yeah, I think a wedding in Vegas is very fancy. And you know, if he's telling me he loves me so much, then of course he'll be happy to marry me. And also if we get married, my dad will see this as, Oh, he loves my daughter so much that he wants to get married. He wanted to get married to her right away. And I thought, That seems kind of wishful from you, Thais. If he doesn't like him, I don't know if he's going to be like, oh, wow, that's true love right there. He really wanted to be with her forever. That's why he did this.
1: She also pulled up to like the sketchiest looking chapel, like drive through marriage place in the world and was like, oh, my God, it's it looks so expensive and beautiful.
2: (laughs) It, It looks like something you'd see in the backdrop of a CSI episode. Like, oh
1: my God. And we probably have.
2: He, oh, for sure. Like the, the season eight, episode three or something. Yeah. Like, all right. Yeah. This was the scene of, of a crime or something. But hey, if she thinks it's fancy, good enough for me. I'm okay with it. But Patrick is not. So Patrick is very hesitant. Does not love this. He's like, you haven't even told your dad. And she says, let's get married now. And then we'll FaceTime with my dad. And then, of course, Patrick says the title of the episode, this is how you marry a stripper. You deserve better. I want us to have a real wedding. I even if it's a small wedding, I want a real wedding. And Thais replies with, "Well, how can I? How can you say I'm the love of your life and not want to get married to me? Wouldn't you want to get married to the love of your life? Isn't that something you want? And this is very out of character for Thais. For me, I just yeah. I didn't expect this. And with the energy she's coming in this with, I think it's a situation where now that she knows Patrick knows that her dad doesn't know I think she's realized that Patrick is going to force me to tell my dad before we do this I need to get it done because I don't know if I'm going to be able to tell my dad about it
1: yeah I, I 100% and she's trying to pull one over on Patrick and uh, Patrick is like no I want like a real wedding not just like eloping in the middle of the night with nobody there that we love
2: yeah yeah i i felt for patrick in this instance i'm not gonna lie um i
1: didn't like what he said about the the wedding um, no that's
2: stupid like that that was a dumb dumb line to say this is how you marry a stripper no sir that is shut up no you're wrong oh,
1: patrick you wish you could marry a stripper how about that
2: yeah how about how about how you like those apples patrick
1: <laughs> <laughs> some ass looking man
2: He really does look like the spy kid's thumb. Yes, he he does.
1: does. I can't. It just is. It takes me out of it. The idea that someone so beautiful would be interested in him.
2: Yeah. Well, the next time on with Patrick and Thais, Patrick has spilled the beans about her dad not knowing to John, which is, again, the dumbest idea that you're telling John anything. And this isn't going to help the relationship between Thais and John. The ace is clearly upset about it. And we do get another confessional with the three of them in the same room, which why do we keep having confessionals with John there? This is just drama. Actually. I, now I get it. TLC. Good job.
1: (laughs) Yeah. The producers, that like convinced her to go to the chapel, like probably got a bonus.
2: Oh, for sure. The checks in the mail, checks in the mail. Okay. So that's where we leave them. The next one is a very sad update. And we did get all seven cast members, cast couples this episode. But next was Karen Guillermo, who had the shortest segment in the episode. It came in about 49 minutes into the episode, and it centered around Guillermo's brother, Jose Joaquin, who is sick in the hospital when we first get into the episode with them. They got a call from his family the night before he was hospitalized. Do you have written down what exactly it was, Kirsten?
1: I do not have it written down. I could maybe find it. It's fine.
2: So essentially it was, it's a life threatening, um, uh, situation that Jose Joaquin is. So when they called him the night before, it was because they didn't think he was going to survive and they wanted him to talk with, with Guillermo one last time. But then this is the morning after they've got an update in the group chat that everything's, he seems to be better now, which is good, but It's really bringing a lot of thoughts into the forefront for Guillermo and a lot of things into perspective. So for context, Guillermo's mom lives in Venezuela. His brothers live in the Dominican Republic. He is now in the States and he has a very touching moment where he talks about one of the worst things in being an immigrant is that everything can be good with your family, but then something can happen overnight, something very traumatic or very, very bad and you can't be there. And especially if you are a new immigrant who can't travel, you can't leave. You can't go be with them. And he's really feeling this on his shoulders this morning. And it was very sad to see. And then he tells us a little bit about when he was little, he was very close with Jose Joaquin. And this would be one of the worst things for him. If, if, you know, if he even thinks about losing his brother. So unfortunately. We immediately go into the next day and his brother does pass away. And...
1: So sad.
2: Yeah. So sad. This was like it brought me back to earth after the nonsense we saw for the first 50 minutes. Well, um, and
1: it, it looks like, too, so um, his brother passed away from renal failure and had yes. been on dialysis for about a year. So that means, like, when Guillermo left, he probably knew this was a possibility, too, and, like, had to make that decision, which, which makes it all the more difficult for him.
2: Yeah, no kidding. Like, to have this in the back of your head and then leave. And then, because when you're leaving, you're in this risk, too, of Again, we've discussed this before. Like for the first six months, you can't leave, you can't exit the country without being denied reentry. So he's in a very, very hard spot. And he does tell us that you know his brother, when he initially was thinking of getting serious with Kara, he he went to Jose Joaquin and he talked about you know getting married young and what his thoughts were. And he said his brother was actually very supportive of him and Kara. And now having lost his brother. He wants to be his his best in this relationship. He wants to love Kara, to support Kara, and be the man that he knows Jose Joaquin would want him to be. So it was very touching. We didn't see anything else with them this episode. And I feel like I'm happy they didn't insert this in the middle of any TLC shenanigans of, oh, they're fighting over money or a laptop. It really was a very powerful scene of of... You know, reminding us that these are all real couples,
1: yeah, and I th- a real life. I think they were supposed to have the bye week this week, right? So I, I think it's really good that they showed just this one scene um, to show, you know, uh, Cara or Kara being a, a really supportive partner, mm-hmm. and just like them being good rather than tying it, as you said, to any dumb drama.
2: Yeah, and and then if they if they pick him up next week, and there's any other oh, wedding planning, anything. It's divorced from this very serious thing that happened in the timeline. Um, I'm not seeing anything from them in the next time on. So we'll see if they're on next week or not. Uh, the next time on was weird. There were only five couples that were highlighted, so...
1: I, I mean, I think they might be getting to the point where there's going to be a few more buys than than otherwise.
2: Yeah. Well, especially if some of them are closer or there's not a lot of content, they might just skip because we're we're we are. The wedding season is looming. I feel like we're maybe three episodes away from getting yes. to the wedding medley. So we'll see uh what happens with them as we go along here. Now, mm-hmm. we'll go to a couple that had a very interesting dinner conversation in the form of Jibri and Miona. So they are also very far along the process. They're 38 days away from the end of the visa and uh, Jibri's mom, Mahala and Jibri's grandmother are talking about the um, coffee shop talk that Jibri and his parents had like that day. And You know, she gives them the updates of, yeah, the conversation went like this and blah, blah, blah. And the grandma says, maybe I don't want to stay for dinner. Maybe and like maybe we don't need knives at the table, which I thought was kind of tongue in cheek and funny from the grandma, but also kind of true.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I do think it's good that they actually had, you know, a conversation with Miona present because a lot of it has been behind her back. Uh, and, or like they talk to her and, uh, Jibri is not there. So that was a good thing. But I, I just feel like Jibri's mom is so manipulative with him. Oh, yeah. And it, it makes me so uncomfortable knowing she's like a mental health professional because it feels like she uses that knowledge to manipulate her son and it's not healthy and I don't like it.
2: No, everything she says to Jabri from the minute they had that one talk on the porch a couple weeks ago, I can very much see the way she spins things and phrases things to sound very supportive, but also very much manipulating it in her favor. and. This dinner was no different. This was, in my opinion, the most awkward dinner conversation of the episode. Yeah. And this is the same episode where people were talking about Leandro going bra shopping with uh, with Ari in front of Binia. This is the Literally. same episode. I yeah. hated this.
1: The <laughs> only thing I liked about it is when Jibri started getting a little bit mean with Miona. She was like, hey, <laughs> you can't talk to her like that. I was like, this is the first time you've ever stood up for her ever.
2: It took two months. I'm happy to see you here now. It took 50 days for you to get to this place.
1: It's like um, imagine that all of your little behind the scenes maneuvering caused uh, this like resentment and now you're being, oh, but don't feel resentful.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, So Gibri's feeling stressed, obviously because this is, I think, a day after the coffee shop talk and the Gibri and Miona walk outside and talk about stuff talk. So Jibri's feeling stressed because obviously Miona's given him an ultimatum. His family are saying we're not coming to the wedding because it's not well planned or whatever. He's in a rock and a hard place and David. I kind of feel bad for Jibri. I really do.
1: Yes. And I, I had found an article where like part of their problems this season is because he had lost a bunch of money in crypto. And so I do think that by that not being part of the show Uh, makes it really hard because it makes it seem like it's all relationship anxiety I do feel bad for him but also it's like you need to be better at talking about your your emotions my man
2: yeah oh for sure for sure and like again having this dinner with everybody should be a place where Gibri feels comfortable addressing everyone and for example saying Miona I don't like that you've given me this ultimatum. Mom, I don't like that you two are not making an effort to come to my wedding, regardless of the organization or whatever. I want you there. If you are all on my team, please, can we all work together? Like, he needs to be the binding agent between everybody. I think because of how scared he is with where he's at, and he doesn't want to piss off his parents, he doesn't want to piss off his grandma, he doesn't want to piss off Miona. He's more silent until he's pushed into this place where then he... Starts talking and then he talks the way he was with Miona, which was definitely red flag. You're going too far with this. Stop this. Um, yeah. So yeah. So they're having dinner, right? So Brian um, is making these burgers in a pot. Like this was not a pan. So I was confused about. Was it a saucepan? Maybe it, I don't it know. might
1: have been a saucepan. It looked off. It looked very strange uh, for burgers. But Just you know a little what. Bit. If it works and it tastes good, it, it works and it tastes good.
2: I'm not. Yeah, I'm not mad at that. What I'm more mad at is I don't know if you caught this, Kirsten, but they've situated their dining table so close to their sectional couch in the living room as if it replaced the coffee uh, table. So I don't know if they just moved this table here for this shot for because it's a bigger setup for them to eat and for the cameras to be there. But it threw me off that the couch was like literally within an arm's length away from the dining table.
1: Yeah, like you could be sitting on the couch and eating from that table easily. I think that the room where that table normally is probably is too small for a group this large. And they just moved it to make it easier, but it looked extremely bizarre
2: yeah (laughs) so um, when they start talking about stuff you know Brian says I have Brian and no Mahala says Brian and I have concerns about you guys getting married puts it out there immediately and uh, says Jabri I don't understand why you're going along with something that you've struggled with and you know Jabri starts talking a little bit about the stuff that stuff he mentions that she says she would leave him if they do not postpone the wedding and uh Miona says well I think you're minimizing the situation we're in all of the stuff we're doing is not easy and we should give ourselves credit for getting how far we've gotten which I loved from Miona um because I think that when it comes to Mahala and Brian and I said this I believe last week or the week before with with Chappelle it feels like Mahala and Brian just see this as any relationship where it's like oh just wait a little bit who cares we've discussed this. If they wait a little bit, she has to leave the States, go back to Serbia. They go back to long distance and then she has to refile for everything and wait another year to two years to come back. And they're discovering a lot of their issues while living together and not while living in vacation mode or apart. So they can't have the thing that's making them stronger as a unit or that's showing their struggles if they're not together. So that is a flawed idea in my eyes.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And I think once you've, you know, moved in together, decided you're going to get married, which is as you've said many times, literally how, what you commit to when you get this visa, um to go backwards and go through all of that again, it doesn't make any sense. It's if you're not getting married now in these 90 days, you're breaking up. Like that that's just how it is, and I feel like it is super short-sighted of um everybody to act as if, oh, no, she'll just go back to Serbia. It's fine. As if that's like a normal solution.
2: And I mean, that's the thing with, um, for example, with Liana and I, my so I got my I got approved and then I got my window of flying over cut short because of the pandemic. And if I had not left when I did, the border shut the next day. If I wasn't able to come into that window, that was about two years, two years and about three months ago, I would have been moving If we still made it through together now, that is two years of our lives that would be on hold again until all this happens. Who knows what happens in between that time.
1: That's a long time to wait. That's I know someone, my tattoo artist has been going through the process since before COVID because she's moving to Chicago to be with her fiance. And she just now this summer is going to be able or in the fall we will actually Mm. be moving um because she couldn't even get like even a zoom interview and for a long time so like everything is so backed up and i mean if you've gotten the visa before and fall into the like bottom of the pile like i don't know that they would give you like extra benefit just because you've done it before so like no who knows where you'd be at if you had stayed
2: yeah and and again that's the thing with um with with the pandemic with COVID, it delayed everybody. So there's people that had applied a year before the lockdown. There's people that applied during lockdown. There's people that applied right after lockdown. They're backpiled. So it would take it could take even longer for mm-hmm. all of this to go through. So again, I think it's a huge oversight from them. And then Miona points out stuff that I think they're also not seeing and, and are considering an oversight. Miona left a whole job, she left her family. She has become, she is transformed into being a citizen of the country. She's into being an immigrant and she's done all this so that they can be together. And so she has sacrificed on her end. He is sacrificing on his end and they're working together. But I think what they fail to see, and I think grandma brings this up is that, you know, I've seen a lot of stress. I've not seen a lot of joy. It is not easy for them, right? Their whole struggle goes beyond just the relationship being happy. Cause I think we've argued that, these two are more ride or die for each other than any of the other couples, right? But they also struggle the most with financials and with financial expectations and with living expectations where he clearly also doesn't want to live here, but he knows he has no choice because of money. She doesn't want to live here at all. So that's where their struggle comes from. It's not the love that they have for each other, because I think the love is there. It's -hmm. just all these other external factors that's causing them the divide. And I don't think any of them see that.
1: A hundred percent.
2: Yeah, exactly. I think I think they're all looking at it like, well, you're with Miona and you're not happy. That means that you're not happy because you're with Miona. And I that's simply not the case. No, Maybe, it's like he's
1: not happy because he just lost like $100,000.
2: Yeah, and he's dealing with your nonsense every day, mom. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> le-
1: like leave him alone.
2: No, they're and that's the thing when they when they all phrase it as, "Oh, we're, you know, Jibri, we we love you and we love seeing you happy and you have this energy about you." And, you know, you're such a creative nomad and we've just noticed you're not as happy as you used to be. What's that about? Oh, they're hugging me. That means they love me. No, no, they're playing you like a fiddle, Jabri. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And I just, yeah. Yeah, And the other
1: thing, too, is I think a lot of the time when adult children have to go home and live with parents, that is a huge issue and there's always going to be friction. And what I've seen in, you know, in my life and other people's lives that I know is like, The child is like, I've been out on my own and independent, and now I'm moving back home. I'm making a big step backwards. This sucks. And you go about your life like you did when you were out on your own, right? And then the parents are like, oh, no, but like we're parents. Uh, You can't just like use this as a flop house and just sleep here and like go live your life other places. And it's like, well, but that's what people do. Is they go out of their home and they leave and they do other things. And you can't expect someone to tell you every second of the day what's going on with them when they're a whole ass adult.
2: Yeah, and I feel like living at a, like or not just living at home, but visiting family. And, I, and I, I'm sure it differs person to person. From my experience, it almost like you leave. And then you come back, but the dynamics stay the same to a certain degree.
1: You like move backwards a little bit.
2: Yeah, like I still anytime I'm with my mom or with my dad, it's the same vibe of they are definitely trying to control a lot. You know, as if like I don't have the faculties to make my own decisions or or do things my way. They try and, you know, put a hand on the tip, the scale a little bit to what they want to do. The last time I visited my my dad in Dubai, I at that point it was 2014, so it's 2022 now. I'm 30 now minus eight. I was 22, right? I was yeah. 22. Was that no? Is that the right math? Oh my god! It's it's been eight years. Wow. Whoa. Okay. Well, <laughs> weird moment. Okay. So I was 22, and I remember my dad treated me the same as I was in high school, where he was like all right, where, where are you headed? Cool. Uh, yeah, be back by 11. I was like, okay. I mean, at this point, I'm 22. I've lived alone. I go out, I come back home to 2, 2 a.m., 1 a.m., 3 a.m., whatever yeah. I feel like. So I was like, oh, but okay, it's his house. I'll do it. But it, it was difficult because part of me want to be like, no, no, I got this, dad. I'll be home when I be home. I couldn't do it. And I feel like that can, we can see that here with Jibri where he Try to talk back to his mom with like, don't do the side, like the analysis on me when they were on the porch, but they were able to penetrate him, the shield he had put up. They were able to cut through and make him feel like that baby again and say, we're protecting you from the hurt that you're feeling. And whereas Miona has no time for that nonsense. Miona is telling him, first of all, when we have problems, I expect you to feel open to talk to me first before you talk to other people. Mm -hmm. Second of all, it's our wedding. So it's our business. We discuss our wedding. It's our plans. And she's right on both fronts to a certain degree. But I think because she doesn't coddle him and his mom is coddling him, he reverts back to that because I think that's what he's more used to and what hes that's the comfort zone he's been in a long, a lot of his life
1: exactly I've, you you've hit the nail on the head yeah
2: thank you i and you know i sometimes i I'm, i do a good okay <laughs> um so yeah uh let's see let me see is there anything else i'm Oh yeah, so then you mentioned when um uh the one time mahala like stopped down and said jabri you shouldn't be talking like that and shouldn't be calling her names is when um uh what's it called when Mahala said, I think if someone's being pressured to do something they don't want to do, then it's not a healthy ground for a relationship. And that's when Miona immediately said, uh, Jabri, do you feel like I'm pressuring you to do something you don't want to do? And then Jabri goes off. He's like, yeah, you you saying you want your beach wedding. You want everything your way. You're like an entitled millennial. And like you want the micro. Well, he said something about a microwave in the middle. I was like, Jibri yeah, is aged like, 50 years in this Yeah,
1: moment. I think he's like, oh, you want everything in a second? Like, it's a microwave. Oh. Like, you want everything so fast. And I'm like, Jibri, like, I, how old is this man? Like...
2: Dude, you want to live off of vibes and, and, and music. If that isn't the most millennial, <laughs> creative nomad is millennial.
1: Well, he, he's 28. <laughs> yes. Which is like, I think means he's right on the he's like the last one of the last years of millennial before you would be a Gen Z. Is so, it 28?
2: He's
1: like, he's a Gen Z starts. um 96, right? Yeah. 96. So he's like a 94. Baby. Yeah, he's in the middle.
2: He's like so in he's the middle like, of both camps in a he's, way.
1: He's like the very last couple of years of millennial. Mm-hmm. So definitely we'll have like more Gen Z. Uh, tendencies for sure like I feel like like obviously we're both 92 babies my sister's an 88 baby and like there's a stark difference in like oh yeah those four years and so like I can totally see that for him too but like in what universe like why is millennial the one that gets beat from both sides
2: (laughs) it really does the Gen Z think we're we're cringy. The adults think we're cringy. We're just in the middle trying to live our lives.
1: Like, I'm just 30. I'm just 30 trying to live my life. And now yeah. I've been beaten up by older people my whole life. And now I'm getting beat up by older and younger people.
2: <laughs> we can't win. Like, <laughs> Nowhere.
1: Like our whole lives have been horrible. We've never had like an okay economic situation since we've been adults. We've seen one horror after another. And it, the horror continues. And and
2: then in this conversation, we have millennial on millennial too, where where Jabri's going in on a millennial when he's a millennial. So it is what it is. Millennial it is. on
1: millennial violence. We get it from all sides.
2: Yeah. Um, and and I mean that's pretty much where the conversation ends with them. The next time on indicates that, you know, Miona's saying it's my wedding, I don't want to compromise on it, and Jabri's done with her. He's just saying stop and and disengaging. So they look like they're going to get in a worse place before they get in a better place. I simply do not see how they end up getting what they want because I. there was a time I thought Jibri might just budge. And I think after this conversation at the coffee shop, he's put up his guard more and he's putting his foot down more. So I don't know if it's going to be sustainable for him to, A, prevent a beach wedding or for her to settle for the non-beach wedding.
1: Yeah, but I think they're gonna work it out. Like I have every faith in and Jabri Miona to actually figure it out together. Of all
2: couples, they're the one they're again, Chappelle's been their biggest defender. I I can root for them and I can think I think they'll be able to make it work. Yeah, I, I, I think, think
1: they're gonna figure it out. I think they're gonna be fine. I'm annoyed that they had kind of a bad episode, so I can't really bump them too much in the power rankings, but mm-hmm. I have ultimate faith in them.
2: All right, well, let's go to a couple that I feel like you may not have ultimate faith in, and they are our last couple that we're talking about here today, Bilal and Shaida. So, last we checked with them, they were in Atlanta. That hasn't changed. They're still in Atlanta. They're only a month into the journey, so they have sixty days left still. And this is that night right after the prenup bombshell. They've gone back to her sister's place or his sister's place. Sorry. And she told Bilal she wants to rest and be alone. So Bilal has now gone over to talk to his sister. And we almost have a side-by-side. The editing was very well done here where it's Bilal and his sister talking about the prenup stuff and it's Shaida and her sisters on a video call in another room talking about the same thing. What did you feel about all this?
1: I, well, first of all, the idea that a prenup is the thing to distract someone from their fear of heights is so unhinged that only Bilal could think of it. Um, and think wow. he's
2: doing her a favor, Mariah.
1: And like, even like he tells his sister this and she's like, Oh, that wasn't the best time. And he's like, Yeah, I know. Like, at least like <laughs> she called him on that one. Yeah. Um, but I, I really liked how Shaida's sisters are like, listen, you didn't, you're not coming into this with nothing. You had a whole life before that you're leaving. So now if there's going to be a prenup, protect your interest, too. Uh, I, like, I, think everyone everyone should probably just have a prenup like just to keep things easy and like easy breezy you know in case things go wrong because sometimes things go wrong uh even when you think they won't uh so I I do think it's a little weird when people are like oh wow I could never have a prenup uh but like yeah you should protect your own interests in that as well it shouldn't just be Bilal says here's the contract that we sign and this is the only way it will get married."
2: Yeah, I love that the tables have been turned a little bit here because in the conversation with uh her sisters, her sisters not only empower her, but they also say that, you know, this prenup kind of makes it seem like you're after his money. And that is exactly what Shaida was scared of and thought of. And they confirmed that, you know, worry for her. And they said, you know, it's maybe because it's for you're from the Caribbean and you're like an island girl looking for something, and that's how he sees it. You're not part of a like first world country or whatever. So she hears all this. And then they said that um, yeah, if you want kids and you this is something that you are interested in, yeah, definitely put that in the put that in the prenup. Put it in the prenup that you want kids before 40. That is an acceptable thing for you to ask if this is what he's asking of you. And meanwhile, in the other room, we have Bilal trying to justify the prenup to his sister. And every time Bilal talks to other people, It sounds an awful lot like he's trying to convince them that he is right for what he's doing. And he starts peppering in some random nonsense to back it up. So when he's telling his sister about this, he says, yeah, they say the number one reason people get divorced is finances. I looked this up. Here is a quote that I picked out from an article. The most commonly reported major contributors to divorce were lack of commitment, infidelity, and conflict slash arguing. The most common final straw reasons were infidelity, domestic violence, and substance abuse. No finances.
1: Huh, it seems like he didn't do his research.
2: Are we shocked? Weird. We, no. You
1: know, yes. he's just, it's the way he is with Shida too. Like when he talks to people, he's trying to sell them, like, yes. which I'm sure works great when he's selling real estate, mm-hmm. but it doesn't work great in an actual conversation with a real human being.
2: I mean, it's completely, again, it just it it belittles the other person because it comes off like you're trying to get a certain outcome or a certain answer, and when you're called out on it, or when you don't get the answer you want, you pout up, and then you get very outraged, and then you kind of throw side jabs at other stuff, which we'll get to when they were packing. So, oh
1: my god, yes. Um,
2: Bilal says that, you know, every person who has loved him and he's loved back has left him. This is kind of why He feels like he needs to protect himself, which, again, I can totally see why then Shaida feels like a prenup is a lack of trust because you don't trust that I'm not going to leave you and you don't trust that it's going to work out. And you don't trust that if we do have a split, that I'm not that I'm not going to go after your money or what you have built.
1: Yeah, and and that's the thing. Like, obviously, he has trust issues for you know fair enough reasons. His past relationships haven't worked out, so he thinks his other ones won't work out. You know, fair enough. That's something that everyone could work on in therapy uh, to you know heal themselves and work on their attachment style. And again, I like a prenup is probably a good idea in again all situations. And yeah, he is coming in with a lot of financial, you know. Situ- like his, he's very financially secure, and, and all of that is from before he met um, Shaina. It's so like fair enough if he is concerned and wants to protect that. Cool, but he doesn't approach it in a way that makes Shaina understand why he wants it. Uh, he, he makes it feel very much like it's a trust thing when mm. it's not a trust thing. Because the thing is, is it's like you know what? I know you're never going to leave me, so we're it's we're never going to need to use it anyways. So why not just have it?
2: Right. Right. Well, I think now um, after this conversation with her sisters, Shaida has realized, oh, if I have to have it, I can also put some things in to protect my interest and what I would like, which, again, I absolutely love because it should be if it's going to happen, you might as well both be happy with what's put in front of you. So then they're packing to go home and, you know, I think it's the next day they're packing to go back home and Bilal doesn't know what he's heading home to. He doesn't know where they're at. So, this is where Shaida brings up, okay, so I have a time frame I want to suggest for this contract, and puts out in air quotes, and says, mm-hmm. I want to have kids before 40. If we put that in the contract, would you abide by it? And I didn't write that exactly what Bilal said, but his demeanor immediately... Yeah shifted
1: he panicked i think he really thought she would never sign the prenup and she would just leave and then that would be the end of it
2: really you think he's he he this isn't like he doesn't want this to work out is what you're saying
1: i think if it's not working out exactly on his terms he doesn't want it um more so and so i think that her hesitancy about the prenup i think she he was like okay well like she's not gonna sign it anyways and so you know, she says, I'd like to talk to your lawyer about adding in clauses to the contract, <laughs> which, I mean, she should go to her own lawyer, but I can understand why she doesn't have those resources available to her right now since she's new to the country. Right. Um, And she says, I want to add in a time frame. I want kids by 40. And he's like, oh, but, but like, so I thought today, like, It was looking like we might not even get married at all. And now you want to bring a new life into it. Shouldn't we make sure we're happy before we like bring another life into the situation? And I was like, oh my God. Like, do you hate her? Like, holy smokes.
2: She didn't say, we have to do this tonight. (laughs) Like, she just said, can we please consider this? Thank you.
1: In the next three years, she wants a child. And he's like, oh, wow, well, but I thought we might not even get married, and now you're bringing up a child? Like, wow. How dare you?
2: The audacity of this
1: this man.
2: Yeah. He packed a lot of it into this suitcase because then, in an attempt, like I said, he will, if it doesn't go his way, he tries to sideswipe. She's packing this, this little bag, and he then goes, could you please be very gentle and maybe not wrestle with the zippers?
1: And which is not the appropriate way to do it, but to be fair, that's like a almost 3000 dollars duffel bag booya. Yeah.
2: Okay, maybe handle it with some
1: care. I, I I looked it up because <laughs> I could tell by the pattern that it's Louis Vuitton. And I I tried to find the exact one. And it looks like it's either like 2460 to 2580 uh USD for that bag. So like I get why he's like, oh, be gentle with it, but uh you don't have to talk to her like she's a child. And before that point, he's like, Well, you could fit more in your bag if you folded your clothes differently, which I'm like, Oh my God.
2: Yeah. I mean, Pull also, down. listen, it could be a Vui Luton. We don't know that it's authentic, it could be fake, right? It-
1: could be fake. I have a feeling that it's not just based on Bilal's like love of designer things. Yeah,
2: that's true. He did show up um, the, in the trips she had mentioned that he came in with all these like fancy suitcases. So that probably does check out. Um, he, he does say that, you know, I thought this trip would reignite our romance and in my head, I'm like, but you're staying with your sister. How is that romantic?
1: A trip to my sister's house Where you're going to spend half the time with my sister and half the time with me. Yeah, that's going to reignite the romance. Also, all of our time together, I talked to you about a prenup.
2: Yeah, you blindsided her with a prenup in the middle of this so-called reignite romance trip. And Shaida tells us, I'm not going to lie, I'm not sure anymore about this. So big news to drop there. We'll see where they head out and where they go moving forward. But the next time on, I, I'm not sure how I feel about it. we talked about Leandro being an ex-husband and being friends with Ari and how we think, you know, exes can be friends. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, in the next time on, we see Bilal's is that Bilal's ex-wife that, that is talking to Shaida?
1: I think it might be, but I'm not 100% sure.
2: I think it might be because and and the push is coming with regards to the prenup of, hey, you should sign the prenup. The prenup is good. It, it protects his interests. So I don't see anything wrong with it. This is not a conversation that anyone should have with Shaida except for Bilal. I don't know why anyone else is inserting themselves into this. I don't care who you are.
1: Yeah. Or a lawyer. Shaida's yeah. lawyer. Bilal should pay for Shaida to have a lawyer to look over it that will protect her interests too because that's the thing is he's making it all about himself and it's so selfish. Mm-hmm. And if he just was like, listen... I, I've had my lawyers look it over if you don't have the money for lawyers right now I will cover your legal fees where you can also go to lawyers and get it sorted out from your side of things so that we can have a fair and equitable approach into this marriage rather than seeming super one-sided
2: I, that would be much appreciated that would be great but it's Bilal so I don't expect to see any of that and I expect he's to be our next week
1: I can't yeah. stand him like he's out, out of like everyone I, I really cannot stand him
2: yeah, well, that brings us to the end of this episode. One more item for us to get through here before we say goodbye. Yeah. For the first time ever in the history of the power rankings, Kirsten, all seven people are going to be on the list at the same time. I'm very excited That's wild. to go through this with you now. To give you a reminder of what the rankings were last week, we had Bilal and Shaida in last place, Patrick and Thais in fifth, Emily and Kobe in fourth. Jibri and Miona in third, Ari and Biniam in second, and Kara and Guillermo in first. So okay. obviously, even Muhammad will be on the list this week. It's always easier to start with the last place. Who do you feel like is in like your bottom two or three?
1: My, my okay. So I have what I think my full ranking would be based on this episode.
2: Ooh, can I hear it?
1: Um, so I have in the bottom, even Muhammad.
2: I think I have them in my bottom too, yeah. so we can just put that and move on. Perfect. Okay, easy. My
1: second last, I have um, Bilal and Shaid.
2: Uh, Bilal and Shaida, I think I would agree with that given what we saw in this episode. Their long term prospects. I think it's, that makes sense.
1: It's not good, and it was a big, like, it's a, it just doesn't seem good. The mm. rest of the ones here, I think it's gonna work out for all of them, but I'm just kind of like based on what we know currently mm-hmm. kind of where I have them. Okay. I then have Patrick and Thais.
2: I would agree with that. I yeah. feel like Patrick and Thais initially seemed like they had no problems and they were going strong, but the more we've gotten into this relationship, the more Patrick is super controlling of the relationship and mm. Thais just wants to be included and isn't. Exactly.
1: And especially with like, she didn't tell her dad, and that was a big fight. So that Mm -hmm. kind of did that for me. Okay. Then I have um, Jibri and Miona.
2: Let's see. Yeah. Jibri and Miona started very, very, we're doing good. We're doing, going strong. At the very least, they had each other's backs. But I feel like Jibri has been, again, um, his mind has been infiltrated by these thoughts that he is unhappy and that Miona's at the center of it. Mm -hmm.
1: And it has
2: dented the relationship quite a bit.
1: And again, as I said, I think the top five couples are all going to get married and it's going to be fine. I think um even Muhammad are the only ones 100% not getting married. And then Bilal and Shaida, like, it could happen that they won't yeah. get married. They might get, like, it could go either way. That's why they're my bottom two. But yeah, that's mm-hmm. where... I put um Jabria Miona for that reason. Do okay. you agree with that or do you think that's too low?
2: No, I agree. I think I think we have a we have the exact same ranking so far. Um Amazing. and I think my top three I feel a lot stronger about all three. Okay. Them, so
1: so in third, I do have Karen Guillermo only because we didn't see much of them this episode. And I feel like we never got like a resolution from their problem last time.
2: I agree with that. I think that they're they're a couple who could easily go up to number one after their yes. next episode because 100%. because of where we left this. Obviously, uh, losing a family member is very difficult, and it sounds like it is something that has potentially reset Guillermo into putting all his focus and love in the mm-hmm. relationship. So yeah. I definitely could see them being contenders to end up in first place once again. They were first place the last two episodes, but. I feel like we didn't see enough from them to give them the first episode here again.
1: Yeah, first I agree. And the thing is, is like I think in general, I would maybe put them below Jabri and Miona, but because of how supportive Kara was and everything mm-hmm. seemed good, I was like, well, no, I feel like they're third easily. No,
2: I love that. Yeah.
1: Um that I put Ari and Binium second because I the stuff with Leandro is weird. I think that they're they're gonna work it out. They care about their baby, they wanna be good parents and they wanna do it together. But I just think the Leander stuff is a little bit more deal breakery than the stuff with Kobe and Emily. What do you think?
2: So interesting. We're at the final two here. So tell me your thoughts on the Emily and Kobe, and then we can we can figure it out.
1: Yeah. So the situation, the reason why I put Kobe and Emily first is both of them care so much about their baby. Kobe wants to make it work. We've seen this episode; they seemed so loved up up until the conflict with the ring, and it seems like they've learned how to really productively get over their problems with each other. It seems Mm -hmm. like they have learned how to like fight through things. And Emily's returning the ring. It's not like she was like in your face. I hate your ring. I'm keeping this one. Return yours. So I I think they can work through it and I think it will be okay. Whereas I think Arya and Binim are just like a little bit less able to have good conflict which is why I put them second
2: yeah I think I think that I would have been ready to push back and give Ari and Binyam first when we first started talking about the two couples here but after listening to you I do have to say I agree I feel like Ari and Biniam again they're the they're the couple that have been in our eyes the longest we've seen them go through a lot together but the Leandro of it all coming back into the equation the whole so him weird. Yeah. And him like picking fighting over the family in, in the eyes of Ari and then the whole like shoddy relationship with Ari and his family. It's, there's so much mess there where, but I do think that they're going to be fine. They're going to keep living their lives. They're going to yeah. like, they're going to be completely okay. Emily and Kobe, I feel like we're a big surprise to you, myself and the listeners this week yes. where everything until the, Hey, I bought this, was amazing. And yeah. I would argue that was a product of last week. She didn't do that this week. She's been good this week. I'm hoping that when we see them next time, that Emily is actively working on making it up to Kobe. And I think that would keep them in first place for me. But if Emily is now like, why are you so mad at me? Blah, blah, blah. And like, that's how, the direction it goes. I They will go back down for me. But I 100%. think for this week, I'm happy to give them first place. This is the first time that they end up in first place since episode four. It's
1: it's the first time we've seen like r- actually really good c- content with mm-hmm.
2: that. Yeah, it's wild. So looking at episode five, which is the last time you were here to compare the two, even Muhammad were last place that episode. Their last place here. That hasn't changed. No. Uh, Bilal and Shaida were sixth, uh, are sixth here. And Patrick and Thais are fifth here. In our last one, Patrick and Thais were fifth, Kara and Guillermo were fourth, Bela were third. Wow. So, yeah. The top oh. two has flipped in that uh, Emily and Kobe were second, Arbenin were first, and now it's first and second the other way around.
1: Yeah, I, I think we both kind of are on the same page of, like, the couples where there's a child involved are just so much more incentivized to work it out that it kind of bumps them up a little bit.
2: Yes. Yeah. No, agreed 100%. So... To give everyone one last uh, reminder of what the Power Rankings looks like at the end of this week, we have Emily and Kobe in first place, Aryan and Binium in second, Karen Guillermo third, Jibri and Miona fourth, Patrick and Thais in fifth, Bilal and Chayda in sixth, and rounding out the final, or the top seven, and, yeah. and last place is Eve and Muhammad. Yeah. Kirsten, this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for coming through. I really do appreciate your enthusiasm that you bring to the show, and Depending on how long this season goes, hopefully we'll get you in one more time before the season ends.
1: I mean, is it not going to be over like imminently? Uh,
2: That's a great question. So we have some couples that are still 70 days in left and we have couples that have 30 days left. So if I have to predict next episode, we didn't see a lot of wedding prep stuff. So that's an episode without wedding prep stuff. Then maybe the next episode could be wedding prep stuff. Then the one after that would still have to be weddings. So we're at least a month away from the oh, season, wow. more than a month away from the season ending from where I'm standing. Yeah.
1: Oh, wow. Well, will you, a month from now, my life will probably be extremely busy, but you know, if I can get in before it's over, I I will always happy to hop aboard the Hot Mess Express with you. Yeah, well,
2: I know you're about to tell us all what's coming up <laughs> and how busy you're going to be, but if we can find a way to, to slot you in before or during all the chaos that's going to be going on for you. Of course, we'd be happy to have you, but yeah, let us know. Why, why are you going to be busy, Chris? And what else is coming up for you here?
1: Yeah, So I am still podcasting um, with Mary every week about Riverdale over on Kowski cast. I have a BoJack Horseman rewatch podcast, which is BoJack HorsePod, which thankfully we've recorded up through basically the end of July. Thank God. Um, we are talking pop culture, celebrity gossip, and trending topics over on a Mess of Magnets with myself and Sasha Joseph. This week, we were joined by Rob Sesternino. He came on to do an Oops All Anonymous episode, and it is so messy that we are not even posting it to their up feed. It is only <laughs> on the Mess Magnets exclusive feed because it's too messy for the main feed. I'm then, very excited. Yeah, Love Island and Big Brother are coming back, so I'll be popping up there as well. And you can follow me everywhere at Kirsten said what, including Twitch.tv/slash Kirsten said what, where I'll be having a subathon this Thursday at 8:30 p.m. EST.
2: Lovely. That's awesome, Kirsten. That is awesome. I love hearing about all of that. I have been watching Love Island UK. Um, in this off season, it off-season. seems like
1: it's super messy.
2: It's been great. It's been awesome. And it's only made me more excited for the US one to drop. So I can hear you and Scally talk about it on a weekly basis. So excited for that to come soon. We're going to be very busy with content and like,
1: I know it's too much. I'm, I'm stressed, but it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine.
2: It's like fun, but a lot. (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Um, Over on my side, of course, right now, 90 day fiance is the one and only podcast that's getting my time because obviously off season on the mass singer front big brother not back till about a week and change here so that'll be coming up soon i will be involved with that obviously when it happens as far as appearances i have made over the last week i will uh, a bunch of podcasters and myself did a rhap big brother podcaster brant steel which was a lot of fun over on the rhap network so you can check that out and then also, I was the guest on the Wrestling Rahap Up with Matt and Mari this weekend, which I did enjoy. Of course, if you want to find me streaming, I'm on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Puya. had a busy week of streaming, streamed five days in a row. So you can check out all of that over on my channel. And uh, last but certainly not least, if you could leave a rating and review for this podcast, I would greatly appreciate it. It allows people to find this podcast, leave feedback, and let me know what you like, what you may not like, everything in between. You can do so over on robinsonwebsite.com. 90 day fiance. That's the number nine, number zero day fiance. And uh, feel free to at myself. Kirsten, are they fine to at you as well?
1: As long as it's good, they can at me. And just remember to only leave Puya five star reviews. Nothing less than that's accepted.
2: Thank you, Kirsten. (laughs) You can find us both on Twitter at Puyaism and at Kirsten said what if you have any feedback for this episode or any insider intel about anything that may have happened during the season or during the history of these couples that we were not privy to, would appreciate that. All right, we have reached the destination on the Hot Mess Express today, so we must get off the platform, but we'll be right back next week at the station with Liana Boris joining us to give her takes on the 90-day shenanigans. But until then, take care. Have a good one. Bye.